Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. I want to talk to you today about a God of celebration. A God of celebration. You may think of God as holy, you might think of God as loving. I want to talk to you about a God of celebration. Does that make sense? Even if it doesn't, just pretend it does. Come on, one more time, we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for every life. And I pray, Lord God, that you bring celebration and a spirit of joy, Lord, across this house. I thank you, and I declare over this place a spirit of joy. And a spirit, Lord God, of celebration. Lord God, that we'd celebrate progress. We'd celebrate growth. And we'd celebrate you. And Lord God, if someone's going through just a difficult time, in Jesus' name, I just pray there would be a seed of joy that would literally grow into a plant that would always feed them, Father, out of your goodness and your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, one more time, Church Alive. Can we give the Lord a huge hand? Amen. 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 Thank you, team. Slap your neighbor. Tell them they're good looking. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. Nehemiah chapter 8. The children of Israel had rebuilt the wall. They'd worked hard. They'd actually worked hard for 52 days. The, the wall was built, but the city was not yet built. And I just want to point out to you today how good God is and that God is a God of celebration. And if you and I, we've been in a series called Battles and Victories. And I actually think that if we'll celebrate more, we'll actually win more. Because how many know celebration actually gives you a victorious type of spirit? And so I want to read a passage of scripture that may make sense for all you cake eaters out there, cookie eaters out there, and anyone who loves to just munch on sweets. Nehemiah 8.10. My iPad's failing me, but let's celebrate anyway. Nehemiah said, go. Says, and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. I love this passage of scripture because to be honest, if you think of holiness, you don't think many times of laughter. You don't think many times of joy. You don't think many times of, of, of just happiness. You kind of think, oh, it was a holy place because people were crying. And what's amazing about this passage of scripture is he says, stop crying. Stop being a mourning person. Stop grieving. Why? Because this was a time of celebration. They had just rebuilt what was broken. They had rebuilt a city and they'd come along and they have not finished yet, but they were celebrating progress. And then the Bible says, then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this and their joy was very great what did God want them to do he wanted them to party you're getting very quiet 
since I just said God wanted them to party. But isn't it amazing that God actually wanted them to party? God wanted them to celebrate. And he says, no, 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 it isn't a time of grieving. It's a time to celebrate. And here's the interesting thing. They weren't done yet. How many know God's work in your life is not done? How many know this church is not done? We're not done expanding. We're not done keeping to reach people. But at the same time, I want to be a church and be part of a church that knows how to party, that knows how to celebrate. I was just at a wedding yesterday, and it was a time to party. Magno Mendes got married, our worship pastor, and it was a time to party. Are you with me? You know, in Genesis chapter 1, I I feel like Genesis chapter 1 teaches me so much about our Father. Our Father has vision about the day. He has action about the day. And then I've often said He has reflection about the day. But actually, I want to add another word to this thought of reflection. He actually has celebration about each day. This is an amazing thing to me. And I've never thought about it like this before, that God sees the day, does the day, and then he looks back on the day and says it's good. In other words, he celebrates progress. He celebrates creativity. He celebrates life. We serve a God who celebrates life. And your life actually is worth celebrating. Are you with me? What's interesting was he, every day, at the end of the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth, he says it's good, and then he gets to women, and he can't even say it's good. He says it's very good. Everything he said was good, and then all of a sudden, he'd take a moment to look back on a woman and said, you know what, I actually outdid myself. This father was very good. And all the men said, and all the women said, Amen. You know, in John chapter 2, Jesus shows up to a wedding, and I want to read the passage of Scripture. John 2, verse 1, says this, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gone, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. And woman, why do you involve me? Which sounds like Jesus giving his mother a little bit of attitude, but I don't think he is. I just, but it does sound like it. And then the Bible says, my hour has not yet come. But his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stones, water jars, and the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, and even each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And the master of the banquet tasted the water and that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here, watch this now, in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed what? His glory and his disciples believed in him. Honestly, it's an incredible miracle because if you think about it, a wedding, a party's going on. Now, it's not just an evening like we do or a day like we do. In Jewish custom, they would literally have a party for about six days. So this thing is going on and on. And then all of a sudden, they run out of wine. And Jesus' mother says, hey, this is getting a little bit awkward, Jesus. Are you going to do something about it? He's like, woman, 
It's before my time. And what's interesting is you would think that Jesus, if you really picture Jesus and if you think about church, you would probably think to yourself, Jesus is going to show up to the party and say, now's a good time to teach them self-control. Now, what what am I saying? Am I saying go out and get smashed? No, I'm not. (laughs) Am I saying be a person of excess? No, I'm not. But it's amazing that Jesus literally um, shows up to this party. He's part of the party. He's part of the festivities. And he doesn't think they just need to learn self-control. In actual fact, he thinks they need more. He thinks they need more joy. He thinks they need more fulfillment. He thinks that actually their life and their marriage is worth celebrating. How many of you believe that your life is worth celebrating? Let me give you three thoughts along this today. I believe that God teaches us today that empty places can be filled. There's six pots and the six large jars literally can fill, uh, can fit 20 to 30 gallons of, of, of water or wine. But the number six, I think, is actually important because number six is the number of man. But God is the number seven. And he teaches us in a moment that empty places can be filled. And when you and I get to the end of ourselves, that's actually when Jesus begins to do his greatest work. That's actually when Jesus begins to step into our lives when we come to the end of ourselves. Many of you are here today because you came to the end of yourself. I want to tell you it's good when you come to the end of yourself because you can't satisfy you and no relationship and no money can satisfy you. But God comes along and he says, I will fill empty places in Jesus' name. Man without God is empty. Man without the author of life is empty. Without the creator, you and I are actually empty. Why do you think so many people need other substances to actually get joy out of their life? Because it's actually a sign that we're empty. But Jesus wants to fill us in empty places. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that Jesus wants to fill you in empty places? I so regularly need to be filled again with God. It's not a one-time deal. It's a many-times deal. It's an everyday deal. Second thought is this, dry places can be fully satisfied. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Some will say confidence. Come on, say boldness. It's confident, it's bold, it's coming with no fear, it's, it's not nervous of God. Often people think that being a, a person who fears God actually means you shrink away from God. Nothing can be further from the truth. It actually means you stay close to God. You're confident that God is for you. And I just want to tell someone again today that whether you've come to church for the first time or you haven't been in a while, you can come confidently. Why? Because the price is already paid for you to come confidently. Are you with me? Sometimes in people's faith walk, there are dry times. And I don't want to talk, call it a season because then people start to talk about the seasons that are in a dry time. But I want to say this, God does never want you living in a dry time. Listen to Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we might have grace and mercy to help in our time of need. I found if I go through a dry time, it's normally because I haven't approached the throne enough. The throne is for us. 
as my wife said, there is an open heaven actually over us. When Jesus died on a cross, the temple curtain was split from top to bottom. It was God saying, it's open. The holiness of God, the presence of God, the goodness of God is available. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't actually have to go through a pastor. You don't have to come to the house of God. The the presence of God is always open to you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I get a good amen? And I believe that the church of the living God needs a greater revelation of this fact that I don't just, I don't work my way there. No, I come straight away into the very presence of God. Recently, I've been picturing, for some reason, in my own time with God, picturing just stairs and just just walking up straight away, literally to heaven and standing before a throne. And what's interesting about that is as I do that, I just feel like I've had some of the greatest times with God by myself in the last two weeks as I picture there is a stair that I just walk up by grace, confidently and boldly. He's my father. I walk up to it and I'm there before the throne of grace. I'm not walking. I'm not, I'm not focused on my own faults, own failures. And the presence of God has been showing up in my life and I want that for your life. God is available for you. God is not hiding from you. God does not want joy for you. God desires joy for your life. Some of you need to tell your face that right now in Jesus' name. Come on, you need to tell your face. God wants joy for my life in Jesus' name. Mary said, do whatever he tells you to do. What do you do when you're dry? What do you do when you're empty? What do you do when you come to the end of your own kind of humanity? What do you do when you come to the end of your own jars and the wedding kind of seems like the party's over? What do you do when it seems like actually shame is about to come on you? Shame's about to come on your family. You ask God, what do I do? It's a simple thought. But Mary says, go ask him, what should I do? And then she gives very particular instruction. Do whatever He tells you to do. I found the way to more of God is to do whatever he tells me to do. Now, can I encourage you today? He's not telling you to do something crazy. Sometimes, throughout the season of your life, God's going to get you to do something that doesn't make human sense. But most of the time, it's just practical. Most of the time, it's wisdom. Do you know that at the house of God, you can find strength? Then come to the house of God. Do you know to honor people and respect people and be loving to people? Do that. Do you know that God wants to talk to you? So because he wants to talk to you, I'd write it down. Do you know to do that? And if I will do the things that I know to do, God will show me the things I don't know what to do. If I will do the things faithfully, if I'll do the things that God desires me to do, then God will show me what I need to do next. Do you believe that? Number three, God can take the shameful places and bring them honor. What's amazing about this passage of scripture is this, is they were about to have the start of their wedding be a shameful moment. And Jesus brings dignity 
And Jesus brings joy and Jesus brings honor to a family that was about to experience a whole lot of shame. Because if the Jewish custom is six days we're celebrating, what do you do when the wine runs out? What do you do when the the money runs out? What do you do? Do you look bad in front of your people? And what's amazing about God is He literally takes a moment to honor marriage, but to basically take one couple and say, the start of your marriage is not going to be a shameful thing. I'm going to take the shameful moments of your life, and I'm going to turn them around. And I believe that for you, and I believe that for me, that God takes the shameful moments of perhaps the past, or your family, or a mother or father, certain experiences that when you grow up, there was a sense of shame over your household because perhaps there was dysfunction all over your home. But I just want to say this, God is a God who takes shameful things and he gives honor and he gives blessing and he gives joy to it and he restores people. Do you believe it? Jesus brought honor to this family. I love the Hillsong song that says this, Let the ruins come to life in the beauty of His name, rising up from the ashes, forever be praised. How does God reveal His glory to your life? His greatness, not by smashing you, but by restoring you. Not by pointing out empty places in your life, but filling them. Not by saying you're dry, but He fills them. Not by shaming your family but by bringing restoration to your family. Do you know out of the four most significant feasts in Israel, only one of them had fasting. The rest were times where God said, you are going to celebrate. How many of you think that's good? Some people are like, I need to fast more and pray more. I need to fast more and pray more. Perhaps you do. But you also need to celebrate more. Can I get a good Amen. The Father God is a God of celebration. He's a God of restoration. And I want to tell you today that then you're a candidate for His restoration. And you are a candidate for His celebration. Do you believe that? Listen to what Oprah Winfrey said. The great theologian. Not really. Said this, the more you praise and celebrate your life, the more there is in life to celebrate. Can I get a good amen? You know, I want to encourage you today to celebrate the little things in your life. Celebrate the small things. Some of you need to celebrate that you're here. Seriously, some of you need to celebrate that you're here. There's some men in our transform groups, I'm telling you right now. Them just showing up is, is, is a win. Them, because they're either there or in the bar or at the all kinds of different nonsense places. And just showing up sometimes a victory. Right? It truly is. You're like, oh, pastor, that sounds like you're pandering to people. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you that you used to be there, but guess what? You're probably here now. You know, when it comes to a marriage, sometimes you've got to celebrate you're still married. You're like, it's not where it should be. Thank God it's not over. You might be single like, oh, thank God you didn't marry the wrong person. I've met people. (laughs) Marriage can be heaven. Actually, I was talking to someone yesterday. And I said, oh, how's your daughter doing? Literally, I I couldn't even believe it. Literally divorced. She only was married a year and a half. And the guy was just an absolute sham. That's why we do transform men. 
We need less men who are shams. Some of you need to celebrate having a job. You're like, pastor, it's not the job I want. You got a job. You know, in third world countries, you know what that's, that's called? Blessing. Food. Oh, I want to I have a job with purpose and meaning. That's nice. First, get some food. No one cares about purpose and meaning when they're hungry. You may not have the house you want. Thank God for the house you do have. Thank God it's not a shack. Maybe your, your car, you're like, oh, I'd love to have another car. Well, thank God for the car you got. If you don't have a car, thank God for the skateboard you got. Thank God you can walk somewhere. Come on, thank God for your legs. Instead of focusing on, come on, ladies, thank God for your legs. Oh, I just need to lose a little bit. No, thank God for your legs. <laughs> Celebrate not quitting. Celebrate still being here. Celebrate. You know, there were so many different times that I could have quit leading this church. But thank God I didn't quit. I heard uh, Tommy Barnett, the great preacher, deliver a message called The Honor of Wanting to Quit. And you're like, that sounds like an absolutely ridiculous message. But he just talked about the number of times he wanted to quit. And he said, I didn't quit. And then he began to talk about Elijah wanted to quit. And Moses wanted to quit. And all kinds of men of God wanted to quit. And, and, and numerous, just name them. You know, Spurgeon, the great preacher, wanted to quit. And then Tommy Barnett said, my, his church is 20,000 people. And he said, every time someone leaves my church, I want to quit. And then he says, I'm old enough to know I'm not quitting. And then he even tells himself, it's a funny story. He literally tells himself, every morning I have a Monday morning meeting. And I just enjoy the moment of, might quit today. Because he knows he's not going to quit. And then he says, I have a Starbucks, and then I know I'm not going to quit. And if I'm really tired, and I really wanted to quit, I have two Starbucks. And he just knows he's not going to quit. Some of you need to celebrate the fact you haven't quit. You haven't quit on life. You haven't quit on God. You haven't quit on the goodness of God. God is good. Listen to what Malcolm Forbes, entrepreneur, founder of Forbes magazine, stated. He says this, diamonds are nothing more than chunks of coal that stuck to their jobs. Diamonds are nothing more than chunks of coal that stuck to their job. There was a lady in the Bible. The Bible says about her that she refused to be comforted. She went through tragedy. She went actually through trial. She went through hard times and she literally refused to be comforted, which unfortunately then meant her one tragic day became the theme of her life. And I never want to underplay sometimes people's pain and sometimes people's uh, times that they go through hard times, but never allow those hard times to become the theme of your life. They may have happened, they may be tragic, they may be bad, but don't allow it to be the theme of your life. Let the theme of your life have joy again. Let the theme of your life have celebration again. Let the theme of your life be good again. Do you know that sometimes in a business or a marriage or just someone's personal world, just, just thinking about the good things 
can actually give you momentum to keep going again. Are you with me? You know, I believe the church alive is always too small. I hate when people say, oh, that church is too big. I think that's what the devil says about churches. <laughs> so if I ever say it or you ever say it, it means you're aligning with Satan himself. And, and if I could encourage you on anything as a pastor, don't align with Satan. I mean it joking, but I mean it very truthfully. Do not align with the dark Lord himself. Align with God. I want to say again, our church is always too small. Do you know that someone came to our church many years ago and, I don't know, the church was 35 people and he said, oh, I left that church, it was too big. And I thought in the back of my head, are oh, you going to leave this one soon? Why? Because I had faith. I'm not here. We're not here, church alive, to just sit, soak, and sour. We're here to move forward. We're here to reach people. This place, guess what? It's too small. The church is moving forward. The church alive is moving forward. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means the church and people who call upon the name of God are always meant to be pressing forward, are always meant to be moving forward, always meant to be reaching more people and teaching more people and empowering more people. If you believe it, say amen. But I will say this, but there are times to celebrate. I believe in pushing forward, but I know that life deserves a good celebration. So I want to celebrate for a moment. Can I have the worship team to come back? I want to celebrate uh, for a moment the most, literally the most significant year of ministry in the history of our church is this year. This last year has been the most significant, seen the most decisions, seen the most breakthrough, seen more people in transform groups than ever before. We've seen more men and women getting unlocked than ever before. Come on, can we take another moment and just celebrate that? Come on, come on, come on. We saw more decisions for Christ this year than we've ever seen before. But I want to say this to you, every year that increases. And let that always be the case. We saw more baptisms. We saw our kids' ministry literally double. Our attendance across our church has basically doubled in one year. And I want to thank so many people for that. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for serving. You serve in a dream team in this place. Can I say a huge thank you? Come on. If you're in a transform group, can I say thank you? If you go to evening college, I just want to say thank you. Come on, can we celebrate for a moment? Life is worth celebrating. God is a God of celebration. Do you believe it? You know, last year in giving Christmas away, we gave away $38,000, just kind of gave it away. It's a good Sunday. It's not every Sunday you show up to church and just give away $38,000, but last Christmas we were able to do that across the initiatives of our church. Through Believer Bill, we gave away two churches just this year to India. And it's significant. Thank God for it. Thank God. Thank God. Your life's worth celebrating. Your family's worth celebrating. Your marriage is actually worth celebrating. Kids are worth celebrating. Your life is worth celebrating. God is actually a God of celebration. And you know, I, I, let me say this. 
God celebrates creativity. God celebrates progress. God celebrates life. God celebrates marriage. And I want to say this also, God celebrates when people come back to Him. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells this story. He says there was a lost coin and a woman was searching for it. She finds it. She says, I'm going to get a party and I'm going to celebrate. And then another shepherd, he lost a sheep. and He goes and finds it, brings it back, and he celebrates. And then he says in the same way, when one person comes back to God, when one person was far away, when one person got lost straight away, ran away do you know that the angels of heaven watch over humanity and when they see you run back to God when they see that one run back to God they literally go that is the most important thing we're going to celebrate that right now we're going to hand clap that right now we're going to be a place that causes heaven to party do you believe to be a church that causes heaven to party do you believe to be a church and a person that causes heaven to party come on one more time That was down for sound. Good. I was about to sing to you. Like I can't do that. <laughs> Before we sing this last song, I want heaven to party. Would you close your eyes for a moment? If you don't know, if you don't know, if you're a Christian, if you're not sure, if you know God, if you feel like you got lost along the journey of faith, if you feel like you wandered away, or perhaps like the prodigal son, you ran away, I pray that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes right now and you would see in a moment the condition you're in, but know that your God is good, your Father is good, and that He wants to celebrate you and restore you. God made you. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. He came never to condemn you. He came to save you. Many years ago, I put my faith in a simple moment in the person of Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, I was a child of God. But then years later, I ran away. But it was the goodness of God. It was the reality of the presence of God that drew me back to Him. You may be here today. I want to pray a simple prayer with you in that prayer will connect you to a person. And as I connect you to a person, his name is Jesus. We're going to party. If you've run away, wandered away, or just somehow straight away, all across this place, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, thank you. You didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Right now, I recognize I need saving. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I run back to you by your grace, by your mercy. I declare I am a child of God. You are my Father. Heaven is my home. The house of God, my house. The Word of God, my bread. The people of God, my people. In Jesus' name.
If you prayed that prayer, you meant business with God. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Slip up real high. One, two, three. Quickly, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All across this place. Thank you. Those in the front. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone? Oh, those two in the back there. That's awesome. Come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. That one over there. That's awesome today. Come on. One more time. Can we give Jesus just a huge hand? If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.